Welcome to another episode of Cut the Music, a podcast where we've listened to a song and we're about to talk about what the hell about that song. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Deering. I'm here with my co-host. I'm your other co-host. I'm Ed Reed. <laughs> and today on this episode of Cut the Music, we are going to talk about uh, Alanis Morissette's 1995 hit, You Oughta Know, which I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, the format of the show, the way we do it, is we each, Cody and I, have three uh, notable parts or things about this song that we are going to run down uh from three to one and to our most notable part uh you ready to you ready to get this i am after just a tad of trivia this song so it's by uh canadian uh singer alanis morissette it's off her third album from 1995 and it was nominated for three grammys and one best female rock performance and another award that we'll talk about later. Ed, what is your number three thing of note about this song? Yeah, so my number three thing about this song, uh, which if you haven't heard it recently, go ahead, give it a listen, pause the podcast. Yeah, or you can go to our uh, facebook.com slash cut the music pod. You probably have the video up there uh, to watch it as well. And mm-hmm. you can suggest other songs for us to talk about in future episodes. But oh boy, this song, a beautiful, I like this song. Did you? I like this song. You have this I, album? I definitely, this album was in the car uh, for my family when, you know, it was huge. Um, yeah, and the whole family liked this album and it had like a lot of dark. had a lot of dark content. Uh, and it was, a, you know, this is a strange song to be a massive hit, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit more later. Uh, so yeah, my number three thing on, on You Ought to Know is the production, the production choices. So what, what they do in this song is, uh, listening to it back, I was very struck by how the verse... Um, the verse sound is like, it sounds like Beck. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's got this very 1995, like canned drums, like the bass is kind of chugling along, you know, just like this, this, this groovy bass on the verse. Uh, and you have sort of that whole vibe mashed up with just like whole grunge, like chunky guitars, mm-hmm. way overdriven on the, on the chorus. And it's just like, it it feels good, man. Like the, that mix of things in this in this context felt really good to me when I listened yeah, to it. Yeah, it works for me. Uh, and it's funny that so the drummer for this her band live is Taylor Hawkins, the Foo Fighters drummer. What? Uh-huh. And, I did not know that. Uh, the bass instrumentation on the track is by Flea, and the guitars by Dave Navarro, both of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Get the heck out of town! Yeah. So you're saying that it, it's like just sounds so nineties. It sounds so nineties. A mix of nineties. And bands. that is exactly why fingerprints I, all over. It. Yeah, man, I love that. It, it like, yeah, it feels good. It worked for me. It's not like, uh, I think this is a kind of song that everybody feels like they know by heart. And you, you, you know, in a lot of ways you do, you know, everybody remembers the, the chorus. Everybody remembers sort of the, the lyrical content, which again, we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but like the actual sound of the song, uh, is different than I remembered it. And I dug it. I definitely dug it upon a re-listen. Yeah, it's so 90s. The video, she's in a desert. That was very 90s. Very 90s. Out in California. Apparently, she was, she was had two albums in Canada that had like, I think they were gold. She had some success in Canada, but they were like Paula Abdul-esque sure, pop yeah. songs. And she was really young at the time. Uh, I don't know if she was 19 then, or but she's young at the time of her mm-hmm. entrance into her music career. And then she moves down to California after her second album is not as about half as successful as the first album. And she gets together with like a producer and they kind of just like redo her sound and just smash in all these 90s thing. And for some reason, it works. It worked great. And yeah, it worked beautifully. So my number three th- things that I think this dovetails nicely into is this was 1995's Grammy Award winning 
best rock song. Best rock song. This was the, this was the one. This was it. And so let's go down the list of nominees. We have Dignity by Bob Dylan. Okay. Downtown by Neil Young. Okay. Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by Bono U2. <laughs> Hurt by Trent Reznor. Oh. And You Ought to Know. So for me, Hurt it was really the only sort of contender. But I... Yeah, we've got some weird late period Dylan. Uh, you know, like the, the old legacy uh, legacy nomination. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I got to give it to Glenn Ballard and Alanis Morissette. So you ought to know. I agree. Yeah. I think the one, I, I, I think we're, 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 we probably feel the same way about this. The one that sort of seems like now in retrospect, like it might be is, is Hurt, mm-hmm. you know, just because that song has become such a, you know, Johnny Cash's cover and everything. <sighs> that song is like very much in the public consciousness the now. The sadness of Johnny Cash singing that song yeah, after his wife's passing. It's, it's, it's brutal. Is like, what, yeah, makes that song for me. So it's sort of, it's funny. It is uh, funny. But <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's not funny at all. It's one of those funny things that's like just not funny. All right. There we go. Uh, so, Ed, may I, your number two thing about this song? My number two thing about this song is uh, Alanis Morissette's vocal performance on this song. Just the way that she sings and delivers this song, uh, which I think is probably the thing, like, when you think about this song, what you remember is her tone, her vocal, just like the way that she sings this song. It 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 sort of ended up becoming a little bit of a cliche. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The like sort of nineties. It's like, like yodely and like yodely. You, so yeah, people can't see in the studio what you just did, but you kind of move your shoulders and arms <laughs> in sort of a I sort wave. of just like yeah, I did a little bit of a like a hippie like a hippie uh, wiggle. I watched some live performances again to prepare, and she definitely i watched her play on i think it was letterman and she the whole time is like yeah hippie wave <laughs> doing the hippie wiggle yeah various degrees of kind of aggression as the song yeah builds. yeah it's it's sort of the, i mean and that's another very 90s thing you know it, it calls to mind sort of things like the cranberries you know what i mean with mm-hmm. the yodel action um and uh i saw a more recent like 2015 american music awards or something like that performance of demi lovato and uh, alanis morissette singing this song together fun it it just didn't like so the yodeling trying to do that yodel thing together which has like little weird offness Mm -hmm. to it it's hard for it to line up that didn't sound great together sure and just alanis's tone versus Demi's tone when I she mean, was singing. I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of gone out of fashion. You know what I mean? Like that style of singing. But it it totally works for this song. Yeah, you know what but I mean? Atlantis had it. Yeah, Atlantis had it. Uh, I The other thing that I realized upon re-listening to this song is that like I definitely had and kind of still continue to have a, a, a not insignificant crush on Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I like her. I like her energy. I like her attitude. I like that she doesn't take any crap. I like that she uh, she's uh, she's she's tough. She's cool. Yeah. And this song, it really the, her first songs. I went back and listened to them and they I, I compared them to sort of Paula Abdul, like these studio songs right. that were just not as I don't know. This song definitely sounds like they let her go more resonant i think the uh glenn ballard the producer said like you can gild the lily but sometimes the lily's enough <laughs> about <Sure. laughs> alanis and he was like nah we didn't need to mess around with it we kind of like finally let her do her thing yeah in this song so the the lyrics just scathing <laughs> scathing of this song are we, are we are we there now oh, what's no. your number two uh, let's uh let's tease it oh thank you um <laughs> and so i agree with you i think the performance of this very Awesome. It my number two is that I think this song had the potential 
for everyone to hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't. It didn't work out that way. Didn't work out that way. Which is fun. Uh, I, I think the drawn out end of this song is kind of strange. Yeah. It, it breaks down into again the wavy like. Yeah. The very oh, like. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and yeah. Then a little rappy kind of like the love that you gave and nobody that with me. <laughs> yeah, they kind of jam it out at the end, which yeah. I'm a bit of a sucker for. Honestly, yeah, so. I know it works. It gets bigger. They bring in this kind of like squealing, like like mono. The single note kind of guitar thing is mm-hmm. playing, mm-hmm. and it's just big, and it it works for me, man. I don't good. know. Again, it's that sort of like '90s th- synthesis thing. Yeah, you know? it's like I I hate to bring up the specter of Dave Matthews Band, uh, but Glenn Ballard famously later worked with the Dave Matthews Band, the mm-hmm. the jammiest of '90s bands. Hmm. Uh, on he worked with a lot of other people. He worked with a lot of people. He was Man kind of in the Mirror, guys. I think he may have had a hand in mm-hmm. writing. So yeah, a, a bunch of hits, and again, this song. It's weird that it was a product of its time because when I watched the Demi Lovato American Music Award performance, like some people clearly no idea who this person was. Oh, uh, sad. Some people like trying to be into it, but just like not really. I don't know. Just the status of celebrities and them like showing them and them feeling that like they had to be into it if they didn't know who it was. It was this real weird, yeah, forced, kind of forced fake thing. thing which again, yeah. like you said, that doesn't resonate with me with like Alanis's. Um, I think integ- authenticity, you right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the, the the whole energy of it is just very like, I don't care, yeah. you know? Like, I'm just saying, I'm saying my thing. Yeah, and again, to piggyback on what you were saying, it's like a, a, a woman is shamelessly just like ripping this man apart, mm-hmm. just this like openly... Um, vengeful contemptuous sort of, yeah 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 uh, and you can imagine especially in the 90s that some people would be like Burr, yeah uh, uh just to her in general for doing yeah. that and she has these like oh these lyrics are scathing i have a few down here i'm not gonna fade as soon as you close your eyes like sure. yeah and she that resonates with me in the chorus like you ought to know why I'm here. Like, I'm not going away. You were a dick to me. Right. And I, I'm not just going to, like, fade away. Carry you know that I mean? dickishness, and I'm, I'm going to remind I'm gonna you. I'm going to continue telling you that you sucked. <laughs> right. And as you, who we'll talk about maybe who that you is in a uh, second. Just a second. Uh, no, like, I don't know. The openly, like, sexual, like, is she going to blow you in a theater? It's like, whoa, Alanis. <laughs> Yeah, that's Whoa. another one of those things where like I'm it's it's sort of amazing that the song was as big of a hit as it was. I guess people were just ready for this kind of energy from like a female mm-hmm. performer, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that t- sort of also ties back into that kind of whole thing, you know, uh whole Courtney Love, uh just that sort of Riot Girl, Liz Fair, you know, sort of that very early nineties, like people are ready for women to be expressing themselves in ways mm-hmm. that are sort of outside the typical uh pop constructs constructs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is just the the the, the peak example of that just hitting the mainstream, mm-hmm. um, and I and I just think it's awesome that it was as huge as it was, and like mm-hmm. everybody knows this song. Yeah, I I liked this whole album. I liked the not radio hits. Yeah, uh, clean the house listening to it. I remember it's as got a kid. some deep cuts. Uh, so I think, are we there? I think it's time to talk about what we know is our as we uh, review these notes slightly ahead of time. We know our number one is gonna be the same thing. Which is about, so if you don't know this about this song, I assume like everyone knows that this song is supposedly about Dave Coulier, Uncle Joey from Full House, right? The moron uncle from Full House. (laughs) And so let's break down how this legend became about and let's talk about it, Ed. So Dave Coulier has said on different occasions that this song is and isn't 
about him. Oh, interesting. And so Alanis Morissette, I believe, said like, oh, I don't want to name anybody specific. Sure. It's, it's kind of about... kind of a little coy about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. She also had a journal though that she kept that she sort of wrote stuff down in, which she would um bring to the studio these writing sessions with Glenn Ballard. She dated Dave Coulier in 1992, right? Mm-hmm. About the time of her writing music and sure. being into this sort of uh, uh, being around the time of writing this song. And so I guess Dave Coulier's story is like they were hounding him and eventually he was like, yeah, it was me. I guess the press was hounding him and he just said like, it was me and it blew up into this thing. Yeah. And he that's him talking about it now is like, yeah, I said it was me. And, you know, in my mind, it's like probably for some attention or Mm. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, it probably would say that more because he thought something good would come about it than I imagine Dave Coulier being like, yeah, it's me, whatever. Like, right. I can imagine him stand up comedian, actor, like he kind of wants the attention. and All, doesn't Any press is good press, right? Yeah, but doesn't yeah. think it through. So is... But now it's like infamous. Yeah. And you so know? I watched in, in a recent interview is Dave Coulier, you know, Full House has come back. He's on the radio with some shitty DJs and they're asking him about this song. It comes up. It's like the first thing they ask him. Yeah. The first thing they want to know is that is that Alanis Morissette song about you? And he's like, God, you know, we're on good terms still. I don't. He's like, I don't think it's about me, um, even though it, Another point he'd said, oh, that bug you in the middle of dinner line. I remember she called me during dinner and Bob Saget said like, oh, I was there during the call. Maybe maybe or not was joking. I was at that dinner. Yeah and, yeah. and so he was like, oh, that hit home. I better listen to this album. I think it's sort of just because oh. you have a good relationship with her now, Dave Coulier, does not mean that this is not about you. Right. Like, let's give her... You know, let's give her the the uh, completeness of mind. You know what I mean? She can have, she contains multitudes regarding you, Dave Coulier. Maybe like, maybe your perception of the way she feels about you mm-hmm. uh, does not preclude her from having written this scathing, mm-hmm. scathing indictment of yeah. your behavior. Yeah, my guess is it's about maybe, you know, him and perhaps other people Other as people, well. sort of a composite. Right, right. but uh, God, this sad moment of Dave Coulier that I feel like this is what, like... You sort of reap what you sow this moment. He's in this radio DJ studio. He's trying to convey this story. He's trying to spin it to make himself look as nice as possible. And he's like, you know, not to be a downer, but when my sister was in the hospital getting cancer treatment or something, and you're like, oh, no, what? And he's like, Alanis came and sat by her bedside and played guitar for her. And then the radio DJ is like, did she play You Ought to Know? (laughs) And fucking Dave Coulier's got to swallow everything, every honest feeling inside of him to be like, yeah, yeah, it was this whole thing. Yeah, Yeah, she played. Yeah, she definitely played the song that's about me. Yeah. So Mm. that's my question, I guess, for you, Ed, is Mm -hmm. what what is a worse thing? So having this song be truly about you Mm -hmm. and just be, again, this scathing. When I scratch my nails down someone else's back, I hope you feel it. Yeah, that's intense. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, is she going to make a good mother? Just all of these things. If that's about you publicly, that's terrible. Is that better or worse than you? It not being about you, but you being the one who's... Because he's like, it's this urban legend that got out of control. Because you fucking said it was about me. You you moved this along, Dave Coulier. So what's worse? It is about you and everybody knows it. Or it's not about you, but everybody thinks it is. Ooh. Yeah, I see what you're getting at there. I mean, yeah. Having it not... Having it truly not be about you and and having everyone else think that that's the perception of it, I think would be pretty terrible. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. but 
and maybe this is just my bias here, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I want to believe that this song is about Dave Coulier. At, le- at least a portion of it. Yeah, you know, at least sure. some of that influence. And he said some of it rings true. She's like, I don't want to name names, but it's about some a guy. multiple people, perhaps. Yeah. Right. So just the cognitive dissonance, you know, the kind cogn- of like that being the guy that this is about. Like yeah. if you watch Full House and you think about it, you ought to know. Is it's it just world? <laughs> Just, it's just it the it's just delightful. It is just some delightful cognitive dissonance. It just does, that this guy is also the guy from this song. It's just such a such a swing in between the two things that anybody knows about Dave Coulier mm-hmm. are Full House, where he's just a, a a goofy moron, and you ought to know where he's the epitome of sleazebag boyfriend yeah dirtbag piece of shit it goes perfectly with like bob saget's stand up you know yeah. bob saget was like another f- another full house cast member with a totally uh wild swing yeah family dad raunchy stand up you know damn yeah. so uh, stamos is doing all right though stamos stayed pretty consistent he's always he's always just kind of like sexy and cool capiche so <laughs> that's it, I think, for this episode. Ed, thank you out there again so much for listening. Uh, in the next episode, what will we be talking about? Our next episode, we are going to go over Hall & Oates' Rich Girl, which I am just psyched about. I love that song. Most excellent. Well, if you out there listening want to suggest a song for us to talk about, remember you can find us on Facebook.com slash CutTheMusicPod, on Twitter.com slash CutTheMusicPod, or you can email us at CutTheMusicPodcast at gmail.com. Again, that one's different. That one's different. Ah, so that's it. Rate, review, support, share, tell a friend. Until next time, everybody. Hit me with the horns, 20. 